Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. In Galatians chapter 3, but I just want to quickly touch on Galatians chapter 2, because as always, the clock was against me last week, and uh, I just wanted to read to you from um, where we didn't get to. We talked about the fact that it wasn't just a... That, you know, it seems this big deal about circumcision. Why such a big deal? Why, you know, it's a simple operation. Why, why didn't they just get on board? But Paul was saying that, no, no, this is a regression into entrenched kind of religion. You see, what's happened across history is that the Holy Spirit has come, messed things up, put everyone on an equal footing, and then gradually mankind has put structure back into place and hierarchical structure back into place. And Paul, at the outset, only a few years after the church was established, is saying, you do this, we require this outward observance, we mess the whole thing up. What the Holy Spirit has done, we regress back into this entrenched kind of religion. He's saying we can't do it. And we see it all across history. The Holy Spirit comes, pours himself out. There's mess, there's chaos. And then gradually structure necessarily has to be put in, but then hierarchical structure comes in and then the Holy Spirit gets in again and messes it all up. And I just tell us that today because what might the Holy Spirit do? You see, what's happened in every kind of move of God is that then when the Holy Spirit's messed it up, then mankind have gone, well, this is the way that we do things around here and we're sticking with it. We don't mind what you're doing, Holy Spirit, but we've got our tradition. And so what would we not be prepared to let go of if the Holy Spirit came and messed things up? Oh no, I'm sorry, Holy Spirit. We sing four songs all together um, on a Sunday and don't mess that up. Like, no, don't. Holy Spirit, are you wanting to put prayer in the middle of that? What are you thinking, Holy Spirit? What would it be in you and what you love about your tradition that, that the Holy Spirit, you, you say, no, it's out of bounds. It's out of bounds. Um, so let's make sure that we know. Okay, and then we got to uh, verse 17 and it says, but suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ and then we're found guilty because we've abandoned the law. Would that mean that Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. So Paul's not against the law. He's saying that the law, verse 18, rather, I'm a sinner if I rebuild the old system of the law that I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if, the keeping, if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. So grace, Paul says, calls us higher, not lower. If we're worried that grace will lead us into permissiveness, don't worry, because Paul says grace calls us to a higher standard of living, living for God. And that concludes Paul's argument from experience. And we head into Paul's argument from theology. Chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. How would you feel if I got up this morning, stood in front of you and said, you're a bunch of fools. Fool. I'm sorry. I've just always wanted to do that from the pulpit took my opportunity. Oh, foolish Galatians. You know, if he was an Aussie, he'd go, you pack of suckers. 
You pack a sucker's, how dumb can you be and still breathe? And, and come on, chapel, you're an idiot. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Paul's like, we put this up in lights. This was a billboard. I told you so clearly how Jesus died. How then have you just disregarded everything that that meant? You pack of idiots, he is saying there. You fools. You know, um, there's a story of pastors in Europe in World War II, after World War II, and they say, they're pretty much like they're all gathered together and they're like, how did we let happen what happened? You know, the, the pastors in Germany. How did we let this happen? How did we not speak out against this more? How did we accept this? And, and, and they begin to talk about the demonic forces that were at play and I'm, I'm sure that they absolutely were. But, but one man had the courage to stand up and he said, gentlemen, we've been foolish. And there's a whole lot that we want to put on the devil and put on demonic forces and everything else that actually is sometimes just our own stupidity. So let's own that. And uh, just like Paul wanted the Galatians to. Verse 2, it says, Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? How dumb can you be and still breathe? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? He's saying, did you, by obeying the law, all of a sudden receive the Holy Spirit? Did all of a sudden it just go, oh, wow, I, mm, <laughs> I didn't commit adultery. I'm... I feel like I've got the Holy Spirit now. Saying, no, of course that didn't happen. You didn't get it by your own merits. You didn't get it by your own goodness or badness or lack of badness. That's not how that worked. You received him because you believed the message about Jesus. Now, inferred here is that there was some kind of evidence that they'd received the Holy Spirit. So, you know, he says, did you receive this spirit by observing the law? No, you received him when you heard about Jesus. So there was obviously some kind of evidence that occurred that the Holy Spirit had come to them. And uh, as we read in other passages, that was um, one of them certainly was speaking in tongues. Uh, Verse 4, have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. So he's just reiterating that again. Um, It's a bit of a weird sentence in different versions. It's like, did we do this in vain if indeed it was in vain? It's like, that's a weird sentence. I can't get my head around it. But it's it's like he's saying, um, was this for nothing? No, the answer is no. Okay. Uh, Just like, did this happen for no reason? No, yes, yes. I'm just letting you know the answer is yes. So he's like, he needs to reiterate it. Um, he's not even going to let it go for a second. Verse 6. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. So here's a segue that Paul is heading into an argument, his argument from theology about Abraham. Now Romans chapter 4 and verse 3 says this. It says, For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God, And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. So not just believed in God, but believed God, took God at his word. He said, God, you said this, I believe it. If you said it, I believe it. And because he believed God, God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. 
Now, what did Abraham believe? In Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, this is what he believed. It says, Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Anyone been outside lately at night, out of town, and looked up and seen all the stars and not been hindered and hampered by the street lights? Sorry, I'm missing my childhood on the farm. Um, I remember stopping on the way back from Port Macquarie once in the middle of the night and we stopped at that pit toilet um, that's kind of halfway and the stars in the sky because we were surrounded by no other natural light whatsoever and it was just like, whoa, it's incredible. So that's what Abraham would have had. Abram went outside and went, okay, God, I believe you. Look at all the stars in the sky. I'm going to have this many descendants. I believe you. And God loved it. God loves it when we believe him. He loves it when we take him at his word. He loves it. And, and you get this because if you tell someone something and they're like, huh. <laughs> or if you're like, I really believe this is going to happen and they're like, <laughs> maybe, you're like, thank you. But if someone's like, oh, I reckon it's going to happen too. That's awesome. You're like, yes. Well, God gives Abram a promise and Abram says, I believe you, God. And God's like, yes. And every time we take God at his word and go, well, God, what about this? What about that? You know, he, he's okay with our doubts, but man, he loves our faith. He loves it when we take him at his word. And so um, here he goes. He's heading into his rabbinical argument because he mentions Abram. And he's like, all right, Judaizers, you, I didn't do all this pharisaical training for nothing. I'm about to throw down. I'm about to come at you with my rabbinical argument in verse 7. He says, the real children of Abraham are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time. Not only to the time when Paul's writing, but to this time. The scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. That's you and I, church. We are the Gentiles. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. That's us that he's talking about right there. When God took Abram out and said, look at all these stars on the sky, all the Jews thought that's us, we're his descendants. And yes, it was about them, but also that was about us. When Abram looked at all the stars in the sky, he was looking at us. We are his children. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just pray. You know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, you're probably under 40. Okay. He looked up at the sky. This is good news. And verse 10 goes on and says, But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, It is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. So what does this mean? When God gave the law, he said, I set before you today blessings and cursing. I set before you today life and death. Here's a tip, choose life. (laughs) But I'll give you the choice. It's your choice. And we chose again and again to go against the law. We chose through what we did and what we didn't do And through our choice and just unwittingly sometimes we chose not to obey the law. And so even though we maybe even wanted to choose life, we constantly chose death. 
But praise God for Jesus Christ because by putting our faith in him, we are brought to life. It is through faith in him that we have life. But Christ, verse 13, has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the holy, promised Holy Spirit through faith. There's a bit of a thing going around right now that, that why would God, if he's a good God, why would he do that to his son? Why would he send his son and have him die on the cross? What kind of masochistic person would do that? He must be have a bloodlust. Who is this God? He sounds awful. But somebody had to pay. And let's never forget that he is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. So God himself entered into humanity. Is it a mystery? 100%. Can I explain the Trinity to you in five minutes? Heck no. But it is a mystery. And he did this for us. He entered into our suffering. God did that for us. Why? Because somebody had to pay. Forgiveness can come, but somebody has to pay. I'm un- Unfortunately, I backed just recently, um, like, this morning into Nathan's car I just ran up the back of it I saw it I thought he's here earlier than me I was annoyed by that so I just ran up the back of his car Um, I'm sorry Nathan do you forgive me but who's gonna pay are you gonna pay no you're gonna make me pay and 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 of course you will and that didn't happen and I'm lying from the pulpit but um but essentially somebody has to pay so Jesus paid God paid And so even though, yes, he can forgive us, somebody still had to pay the price and God was the one who paid. Verse 15 says, Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children, as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. That, of course, means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be cancelled. 430 years later, when, oh, could not be cancelled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. What's all that saying? It's saying that the, the law can't annul the promise, but neither does it follow that the law is against the promise. The promise and the law work together. Why then? Verse 19 was the law given. It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and people. So he's using a very um, orthodox uh, description here. When Stephen was stoned, he talked about God giving the law through angels to Moses. So this is very Jewish orthodoxy here. So if it doesn't make sense to you, it doesn't actually super matter. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who was one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham, simply meaning that when Jesus Christ came, he deal, de- dealt directly with humanity. God needed to deal with the people of Israel through Moses. But when Jesus came, it was God in flesh dealing with humanity. And it says in verse 21 is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises absolutely not let's not set them up against each other let's not say okay well I forget everything in the law because now I've got the promise no let's not set them up against each other but if the law could give us new life we could be made right with God by obeying it but the scriptures declare that we're all prisoners of sin so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ and that is time and that is not quite chapter four three even
but I will give you time to think about what you just heard. If you're like, I, that last five minutes was lost on me, take this five minutes to just read through that slowly and uh, pull out of it what you can. But otherwise, just chat around the table and reflect on that together um, of what you heard. So Bron took us deep. If this service is new to you, my job is to help lead us forward. How, how do we live out Galatians 3 in our own life, you know, when we come to tomorrow morning or even maybe before we, we get there? there, there there's this, um, uh, there's, there was this moment in 2009, 2009, probably the hardest year of my adult life. And, and in 2009, I was just about to enter, if you know it, the M5 tunnel in Sydney. I remember looking at the entry, I was sitting in a car next to a mate of mine, we're on our way to see someone we mutually love. And I had this moment where I thought to myself, how did we get here? How did, how did we get here? How did we come to this? Uh, my mate had picked me up from the airport and uh, he, he, he had at one time had been like a, a really devoted, fired up, committed Christian, you know, he and I, when we were young, used to um, go to the skate park. Can you imagine me at the skate park talking to people about Jesus? And um, we used to go to the skate park and I remember I used to say to him, if I ever become one of those nerdy Christians, if you ever see me start dressing like one, tell me. Anyway, one day we're heading to the skate park and he says, hey Daz, you remember that time you asked me? And so we diverted our plan for the skate park and went shopping. They... Um, he was a great guy and uh, he used to speak for us in the early days when Brian and I first started to pastor and, and, and we're on the way to see someone who was even really, I think, a far, even, like even more fired up, like really devoted Christian and, and here's the thing, these two guys who I'd known so well across my life who'd been incredible blessings to me, the guy that's sitting next to me, his marriage has broken down and he's blown up his family and his business that God had blessed and was hugely successful has fallen apart just through a series of decisions he'd made independent of God. And his life was a wreck and it's still a wreck. And we're on our way to visit someone uh, else and, and this person was sitting in a prison cell. And it, the, this scenario was as unfathomable to me, like it was this unfathomable that six weeks from now, Bron is in a prison cell on fraud charges. That, that's how impossible it was. And yet here we were. And I thought to myself, I remember looking at the tunnel and thinking, how did we get here? How did this happen? And so um, in, I, I want to talk to you about that today because I think that God's intention is that we would turn up in life going, how did we get here? but in a vastly different way, you know, in a positive way, not a negative way. How do we get here? How do we get here and what are we going to do about it if you find yourself there or on the trajectory towards there? What are we going to do about it? And um, I remember I was 18 years old, so I started working after school when I was 13. I trained five days a week for footy from about the age of 13. And by the age of 18, for all that diligence... I found myself in a place inconceivable to me. I was 18 years old. I had been working for my dad. My dad up and moved very quickly. I was sleeping on my friend's lounge, now without a job, no money, and, on a, and, and my football career essentially in tatters because I'm partying way too hard and my family's all gone. I'm just an 18-year-old kid, really. Same age as Bells, out of control, not knowing how to navigate the space. And I remember one Sunday night, arriving home late for the lounge I was sleeping on. And I was late, and because I was hopelessly unorganised, 
I had no shoes on. It's Sunday night. It's cold. No money in my pocket. And like that, I walked to the, in those days, we had telephone booths. And I made a reverse charges call to my auntie and said, can you come and pick me up? You've got to know, that was an inconceivable place for me to go. How did I get here? I was a hard worker. I was a good trainer. I was captain of everything. And suddenly I'm in this place. How do we get here? How did this happen? And of course, what are we going to do about it? I want to help you with that today because that's what we have in Galatians chapter 3. That's what's going on. Bron, Bron read it, Galatians 3 verses 1 to 4. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit that you're now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much, so much in vain, if it really was in vain? And so we, you know, we just heard before Paul says, hey, he, he just speaks to them straight. It'd be a bit like opening your email tomorrow and the opening heading says, like, Darren, you idiot, what were you thinking? Like it's, it's that kind of situation. That's how Paul's writing it. The same passage goes on to say that, that for Paul, this whole situation was like childbirth pains for him. So it wasn't easy for him. Uh, some of the women are like, Paul has no idea about childbirth pains. Well, I would suggest to you that Paul might have more idea than you because he had no epidurals going on in the house where he was. And so Paul um, is there and he, he's saying, hey, th this conversation I'm having is hurting me so deeply to have. that It's, 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 it's like you can imagine for me, this is, this is like the pain of childbirth for a woman. This hurts deeply. But he has it anyway, as we talked about last week. And, and so Paul's urgent now and he knows this needs addressing and this needs their full attention and this needs apprehending. And I wonder in your life, is there anything anywhere on the fringe or at the core where you go, you know, where, where, where you, you, you need to look at it and we need to go, this needs my attention. This actually needs my apprehension and it's really, really needs to happen right here and right now in terms of he's talking about their faith. And so let's zoom in on that for a moment and then we'll zoom back out for your life. Um, Paul says, or our lives, Paul says again, the same, same book, he says, I'm astonished. I'm astonished. I, I can't fathom that you so quickly deserted the one who called you to live in the grace of um, Jesus or the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And even if, he goes on, he says, even if an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. He's like, how did you get here? And he's gutted within and he's, he's busted for them. And, and he, he's just like, hey, I need to be clear in this moment. I need you to comprehend what's going on because where you've got to is not a great place. And I don't know about you. If I think about the Galatians, if I think about the Galatians, it doesn't seem that big a deal. So what if they want to get circumcised? Bad luck. I'm not joining you, but bad luck. You know, you might have been saying if you were there. And, uh, but it doesn't seem that big a deal, but Paul's looking at it going, look at the ripple effects of these decisions. Look at the ripple effects of where you're at and, and follow the trajectory to its end and where this, this really winds up. And he says, hey, how did, how did you get here? And he's talking to them about it. And, and of course, he articulates the gospel, which I was going to do in this message, but Bron kind of lined it out for us. But over and over again through Galatians, he brings them back to the core message 
um, that is to be reconciled through the death of Jesus. He says, hey, it all hinges on this. Um, uh, and in Galatians 5, he, he, he says this, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. He says, you were, you were running a great race, we, but, but who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Um, but then he, to me, it's like he changes gears completely and he says, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. He goes on to talk about sex outside of marriage. He talks about jealousy, selfish ambition, factions, envy, drunkenness, all kinds of things. He says, those who live like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, etc. the fruits of the Spirit. And so Paul's like, he's got, now he's got the two things on the table. There's, hey, don't be, um, end up under law and don't think license is okay either. You are called to liberty that is found in Jesus. And so he's laying this out for them all again and says, hey, put your hope fully in him. And so he's like, how did you get here? And let me show you the way forward. And so zoom back out now, zoom back out to our lives. You got anything going on in your life anywhere that could end up in a bad place? I've had things over the years that if I stop and think, if, if that, you know, that trajectory continues, that ends up in a bad place. And, and just going, hey, I, I just want to, this is where I'm at, and what am I going to do about it? And so I just want to give you um, four thoughts in the moments that I have around this so that we don't end up there. Because I can tell you the two people that I mentioned at the start there, they never envisaged any of what ended up happening to them happening. And it could have been so, so different. Uh, in fact, I know that God's plan is so, so different for them. I remember speaking to one of them. Oh, maybe four years ago now, and uh, they were involved in a court case at the time, and and I was in Parramatta, and I said to them, I said, "Hey, you know, you're, you're not much younger than me. You're in the prime of life, and uh, no, you're, you're, they were in their mid forties." And I said, "You know, things have happened, and there's grace for that, and God's good, and you're in your mid forties, and there's a chance now to get this right, and if you get this right." You're going to wake up somewhere in your 50s walking and flourishing in God. But if you get this wrong, this next season, you're going to wake up in your 50s and your life's going to be a mess. And where to from there? And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think about, I'm, like, I'm worried about that becoming a prophecy that comes to pass. But it could be so different if, if we just apprehend the here in those little things. Sometimes they, we think that won't happen to me. I won't end up there. But, but it does. And so what we want it to happen is for, we want to be looking at it going, how did I get here and it be the grace story that God always intended? Oh, there are moments. I remember Bron and I were flat broken in debt. And, um, and we, some of you will know the story. We're on, gone to do Luke's wedding on my credit card. We did your wedding on um, borrowed money, mate. And um, and he, he decided to have it in New Zealand. So we're in New Zealand and it's stunning, it's beautiful, Queenstown. I mean, if, if you knew Queenstown was heaven and Maverick City was the band, you'd, you'd go, that'll do me, God. Queenstown, Maverick City, I could deal with that for eternity. And, and um, uh, we're there in Queenstown and Brian has this moment as Brian does and says, oh, can you believe how good God is that here we are in New Zealand like this? I went, you can be anywhere in the world on a credit card, babe. 
And I, I was just a little bit out of sorts if you didn't pick that up already. I'm like, God, God, you, you don't owe me anything. But gosh, we're in trouble. I'm 40, whatever, however many years that is. I'm 43, 44 years old at the time. I've got no long-term plan. I've got no money in the bank. I'm on the credit card in New Zealand. I'm like, God, you don't owe me anything, but if you'd help me, you know, 12 months to the day, uh, to the week, sorry, 12 months to the week, Bron and I were standing in Queenstown, New Zealand. We had paid for our trip with cash. We'd helped fund someone else's trip. The debt that I couldn't have possibly paid off was gone. And the long-term plan for our future that I'd prayed about, someone had rang me and said, Daz, I've got a deal for you. You need to do this. God prompted me 12 months later. How, and I'm standing on the beach, or the rock beach in, New, in Queenstown, New Zealand, going, how on earth did I get here? That's God's plan. Now, maybe not Queenstown, maybe not all of that, but his plan is good. And, and his intent is never that we end up in the other hellhole of a place that sometimes life encounters as a result. So, so here are some thoughts just um, this morning. Here are some ways. How did I get here and what to do about it? Some things to do if I find myself there or on the trajectory towards it. Number one, just got to own it quickly. It's so important to own things quickly. When we find ourselves getting off track on a trajectory that in the end is, is going to maybe hurt us more than we know, just to own where I'm at quickly. And um, that, that is powerful in our lives. The, the quicker I get there, the better it'll be. And you know what? You can tell yourself lies for years, can't you? You've met someone. You can tell yourself it's all good. We can tell ourselves it's not that bad. We can tell ourselves it's going to be all right. We can tell ourselves all kinds of things. We can excuse it. We can reason it. We can avoid it. We can shut people down when they try to lovingly talk to it. We can do all kinds of things. But in the end, um, I don't know if I said this last week, but sometimes I'll be with someone and um, I used to just think it, now you get older and you say it, and, and I used to think it and go, I know what you're telling me, but I know what you know. And, and now I'll say it to them, I'll say, you know what, I, I hear what you're saying, but deep down, you know what I know. And then go dot, 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 this. And, and that's the truth. Most of the time when we find ourselves in a place, we might not anticipate its full end, but deep down we often, especially if you have the Holy Spirit, we actually do know despite what we say, don't we? And so it becomes very helpful to listen, to respond quickly, to just own a thing quickly. Where's that for you? Over the years, my attitudes with people, I've just needed to own it quickly sometimes. I was driving along the other day and I made a statement to Bron uh, about a friend of mine. I was just frustrated, to be honest. I was really frustrated. My natural reactions are frustrated and annoyed. And the Holy Spirit's been at work for 29 years on that. And, and I made a statement. She went, oh, well, what about you? <laughs> yeah, that's what, I, that's what I should have done, Soph. And, uh, and I went... Oh, you're right. Now, I was in the wrong, and I said a thing that shouldn't be said. But the key is to own it quickly. You know, I could have gone, yeah, we're not talking about me. We're talking about them. 
who knows when. Um, just own it quickly. It's so important to own it quickly in our lives. Your attitudes, is there anything in your relationships? You know, if you're honest, you need to own it quickly. Temptations, devotion to God, behaviours, theology, imaginations, dream, dreaming, you know, all that. Own it quickly because it helps us not get to, how did I get to here? Number two, just make a decision, decision that this ends now. Just this, this is, I'm done with this, this ends now. And, and one of the great ways to deal with this is to tell somebody when it needs to end now, you know, whatever it is I'm not doing or whatever it is I am doing or whatever it is, just this ends now. Um, I, I've written here, don't let, let's not let next happen to us, let's, let's make next happen. Uh, and, and that's so important in life, isn't it? You could just drift along a little bit longer and let's, let's, let's make next happen. What I know for sure is decisions like this, when we turn up making great decisions, God turns up in the middle of them. He does. He just turns up. It's what he does. Uh, if my theology is headed off track, just this ends now. If I'm clicking on stuff that's unhelpful, this ends now. Flirting with danger on the fringes, this, this ends now. Um, fading in my devotion to, to God, just, just go, you know what, I, I want to end this now. Getting hard in my heart towards somebody, I've been there many times. It's my great vulnerability. Um, but I've just got to go, no, this ends now. Just last week, I found myself getting hard in my heart towards someone over a series of period of time. And I just went, okay, what's my proactive plan here? And I tell you, the pan- it's, it hurts me to do it. Um, but I'm like, no, it's got to end now. If it doesn't end now, this doesn't end well. So how, how am I going to attack that? How am I going to live godly in it? This, this ends now. Um, uh, that's number two. Number three, and finally today, just thinking about this, um, or maybe finally, I'm just looking at my clock, I've got time. Who, who before what? Um, for the Galatians to fix this, fix this, it actually needed Paul's voice. I don't know that anybody else would have gotten this done, except Paul. He, he despised the effect of the law because he'd grown up under it. He, he just, and isn't it true? One of, the, one of the things I love about Bron is, is her grace. I love her tone. I love the spirit of grace that she has. And, and, and she's learnt that by being in environments of law, growing up in a faith. And she had a reaction to it as she looked at scripture and she thought about God. And, and that's affected who she is. And so Paul was the right guy. He was, he was the right person to bring in. It needed, it needed Paul in the mix. And sometimes when we've got stuff going on, who, here's the question. Who's the voice you need in the mix? If you've got anything going on, if you haven't yet, you will have, right? We all do. Who's the voice I need in the mix? So I've got some wonderful friends. But in, in, a, in a moment, like what we're, the kind of moments we're talking about here, I wouldn't invite them in. And the reason I wouldn't invite them in is because I know they'll give me the answer I want to hear. And, and so who, who, who's the voice we need in the mix? Someone that we, I've put here, I don't know if I mentioned these last week. Uh, here, are, here are five things, I reckon, that are great measures um, of the right voice that we need in a situation like this. Number one is someone with a high trust history. Like what's their history? Is it high trust? Can you trust them? Uh, Dan Coleman, I can absolutely trust. Um, high trust history, long, long history. I can trust what he's going to say to me. Um, who, who's got high trust history? You know, well, you know, not the person who wants to have the conversation. It's probably the person who's going to feel like Paul. This, this is hard for them to have, but they're, they're, they're prepared to have it. Um, number two, he loves God or she loves God. They love God. Um, and, and they're for you. They're actually for you. You can trust that. Um, 
three, Paul speaks truth in love. It's someone who speaks the truth in love and need both of those going on. Um, biblical bottom lines. Do they deal in biblical bottom lines if I'm a believer? Does the person I'm inviting in, do they deal with biblical bottom lines or cultural ones? That would be a good place to start. We, you want people who deal in biblical bottom lines. And would this person risk our relationship for my best? That's a great measure. Would they do it? Oh, I want to be that person to people. That I would risk our relationship for your best. No matter what it costs. No matter what you think of me. That I'd do it for your best. And most of the time, hopefully, we'll get it right. But we want to be those kinds of people. And that's who we want to invite in. Proverbs 27, um, verses 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. In moments like this, we want the trusted speaking into our life. The... The, the, the people we can trust, you know. I've, I've been in rooms and people will say, oh, uh, how, do, how do you stay grounded? You get to do cool stuff. And I went, oh, you don't live in Tamworth. Like, you could not be grounded and go to the church I go to. You have to be grounded. And if you start getting grounded, non-grounded for too long, you'll soon know about it. So I thank God for that um, because I think it's, it's healthy that we live that way. And then number four, which I really ended up turning into a message last week because this message was prepared before last week's message, um, is the vital conversation. Uh, Just being up for the vital conversation. Um, Paul had conversations that needed to happen and that needed to be had and needed to be heard. And so um, in in our own lives, are there people who can have that with us? Uh, We have that with other people. Are we up for that? And ensuring that, you know, when when someone brings those conversations to us, that my voice becomes quieter and I listen more. Do you know how hard that is? Oh, it's hard for me. I want to tell you why it's not the way you say it is. That's my natural, I don't know, what's your response? That's my going, I know you got me wrong here but just quieting down. The quieter we become, the more we can hear. And, and rather than this become a blockage, it becomes a blessing to our lives. And so thinking about all of that, vital conversations, who's the, who before what, um, the season, this ends now, and then number one, own this quickly. Um, I think they're really helpful. How do we get here? Let's, let's not get there. Now, if we do get there, Remember, there's always grace for where we find ourselves. That's the great thing about God. But his plan is better than that. His plan is that we would wake up going, how did I get here in different ways? And so let's continue to believe. Let's continue to uh, live, live for God, go hard after God in our lives and just turn up making great decisions each day in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. Well, what we're going to do is I'm going to throw to Luke. He's going to come. Why don't we pray? Yeah, you come, you come, you come. And um, um, we're going to pray and then he's going to lead us forward. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for prayer. Thank you that you're a prayer hearing, prayer answering God. Um, Thank you for Galatians, Lord. It It was a hard letter, but it was a loving letter. It was a liberating letter. And so we're thankful, Lord, for its tone and for its truth and for its love and for the outcomes that it brings in people's lives. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, especially today, I thank you that you do work with our doubt, but you love our faith. And, and so God, we commit every person to you today, every person's way to you, that our story would be in terms of how did we get here, that it'd be one of your blessing and one of your prospering, one of your favoring, your leading, your guiding. 
Lord, and bringing people into their God-appointed futures with you. Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.